Welcome to the Let's Get Down to Business podcast. I'm your host today, Charlotte Newman, and today I want to chat to you about what is a financial director and what you are missing if you do not have one. So to help with this, I'm joined today by Emma White, a partner at A4G LLP. Hi, Emma. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks, Charlotte. So just to kick us off then, this is quite a common topic which crops up for small to medium owner-managed businesses. So firstly, it would be worth us getting some clarity around what we mean by a financial director, as this could often be confused with perhaps a financial controller. And obviously, the two are actually quite different, aren't they? You know, I would say, Charlotte, I actually feel like I should be interviewing you here. I think you've done quite a lot of this type of work for our clients, helping them get the roles right and the work in the right place. So why don't you tell us the difference between a finance director and a financial controller? (laughs) <laughs> Thanks, Emma. Actually, it's um, quite nice that I get to have a little chat about this thing. And yes, you're right. It's such a common topic which crops up. And knowing the difference between the two can help ensure you're clear when trying to bring someone on board, especially what you might expect from them, you know, because often the same person might sort of be doing the same roles. So essentially, the easiest way that I try and explain it is that both a financial director and a financial controller work with all the financial aspects of the business. So that on its own is like a fairly simple concept. However, I would say a financial controller is typically what most people would see as, I guess, the head of the accounting department, because they mainly deal with like maintaining the input of the data, as well as like the reporting around the finances. So essentially, they are looking back on data already generated, whereas the financial director really oversees and is involved in strategizing with the business owners on on their financial goals and obviously maintaining the operations. But they're almost the financial leader of the business. And their main responsibility is being to look ahead to predict the business's financial future. So I think that's quite a nice way to see the difference. The financial controller looks backwards and the financial director looks forwards. Fantastic. So if we take the sort of day-to-day financial control, what sort of responsibilities would they have as a financial controller? Kind of what what are they dealing with on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's quite um, a simple one to answer, really, because they're mainly involved in managing the accounting operations. So that's your typical things like your billing processes, your payables management, your inventory management. Plus, they're obviously managing those in your finance team. So usually at this level, you might have a finance assistant or a sales assistant or someone who essentially puts the day-to-day transactions into your accounting software. So um, the financial controller is therefore likely to be involved in sort of your short-term cash flow management, whether that be using some of the short-term cash flow tools available or just reviewing what's becoming due um, for payment in sort of the next week or 30 days and ensuring you have the funds coming in. And if not, then sort of reviewing the credit control procedures to make sure that happens. Um, They'll obviously be overseeing the compliance, such as the payroll being done each month um, and planning for these because these are larger chunks of cash going out. And they're ones that often can't be adjusted or negotiated, unlike that perhaps of some suppliers. Um, They'll obviously oversee the VAT returns being produced if that's relevant to the business. Um, It's showing they're paid on time, preparing the annual returns, the annual accounts, um, and obviously any industry specific reporting for that for that business. But they'd also be expected to prepare your budgets and your financial forecasts um, and preparing your management accounts if you do them, Um, ensuring you've got statutory compliance, managing auditors if that's applicable. So I think there's loads of stuff that they can do. um, But that's probably the main responsibilities that I can think of off the top of my head. So if we then take the financial performance 
performance management, this is often when many, many businesses are kind of lacking or at least lacking a structure of reporting and monitoring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are busy people we're talking about. So most business owners will know roughly their gross profit um, or and roughly what they make before tax or generally have an idea of how they cost this stuff in. Mm-hmm. They may even have like sales targets or their own version of key performance indicators for things. Um but possibly don't convert this or marry it up with their accounting system um, kind of monthly or quarterly. I mean, this is where the finance director can come in to turn that into something usable for quick decision making, isn't it? So what sort of things would you be expecting to do within this part of their role? Yeah, exactly. And like you say, most business owners are already doing something or their version of this without a proper structure about around it. Like not many people continue running a successful business by not knowing this stuff. But actually having this presented out and monitored is what potentially may be lacking so like we've said before if you can measure it you can manage it so usually the business owners will be monitoring these things that mean the most to them and or also the areas which they feel are key to running their business and actually this is a starting point to the whole process because if the business owner is already looking at these things and they feel that they're important that's where you can start building um sort of your management reporting so Hopefully, um, most business owners are looking at the financial data regularly, even if it is not in the form of like a set of management accounts. But the point of the management accounts is that they display key information easily. So you don't have to waste time finding it. And as we know, when you're running a business, time is precious. Um, And if you can have that information shown quickly and easily, that's what you want. So part of this, you're going to want to build that into your management reporting. You're going to have financial and non-financial KPIs. So quickly, the difference, obviously, the financial one's very simple, like a gross gross profit, but your non-financial KPIs might be, you know, sales turnover or employee retention rates or whatever it is that means something to your business that it's not necessarily a, you know, something from the P&L or balance sheet number, basically. So you want to get those um, non those financial non financial KPIs, and they show you quickly if your business is heading in the right direction. So I like to explain it as like a snapshot peace of mind sort of thing. So like I said, whether you you monitor your revenue per employee, or you know you need to maintain I don't know fifteen percent gross profit margin to cover your overheads, having this shown to you really quickly a few days after a month has passed will allow you to jump on any reasons why this didn't happen and give you focus for the coming month. The issue is if you're looking you know if you do a quarterly set of accounts and you're looking at them two months after or sorry two months into the next quarter you're a bit late really to be making any changes you want to be looking at these things quickly and jumping on things that have happened so I think the value of having direct finance director here is that it's someone who knows how to implement this into your finance department and set up the reporting necessary for you so it's the experience that they have in analyzing this this sorry complex financial data and allowing them to design the management reports that work for you Um, and obviously that's going to be different for every single business because no one size fits all but there are some great templates out there as well if you want to start with the most typical things people want to see like it's a simple place to start get some templates get some standard management reporting get some standard kpis and start looking at this data because most business owners will go would you know what i've seen that for the last two months it doesn't mean a lot to me. I don't use it. Let's scrap it. But I do want to see. And you'll find that your KPIs and the information you want to see starts to evolve. And that's the beauty of it. You you know, they're very interchangeable. Um, and, you know, as your business 
changes the growth. You're going to want to see different things. Um, and you need something flex- flexible in order to do that. Yeah, absolutely, Charlotte. I think you're you're completely right. And quite often that's part of what we see, isn't it, is that things don't quite marry with the business owner's um, perception of what's going on in the business. Um, just because, you know, that might be a timing of invoices or it might be um, that just procedures that they'd put in place when they set up the business have slowly been kind of chipped away at and have been eradicated you know think things within the costing might not have been reviewed regularly there's all these sorts of things that can eat away at profit that actually you need to be able to tie up what they're looking at on a day-to-day basis back to kind of what that means in terms of monthly profitability don't you for it to actually make sense to everyone and and then to start looking at and how you improve that so Absolutely. Okay. But what, what you're saying is a fair bit of this sort of work will involve working closely with bookkeepers, internal staff, accountant, and most definitely, obviously, the finance director would work with the business owner. Mm-hmm. And the business owner, chances are they're not going to have time to do the forecasting and planning, are they? Not alone. Mm-hmm. Um and also, and also, like we know, when you've, you know, as a business, as a business owner, if you've built something from the ground, it's very emotive to you. You know, you feel very emotional about it. It is useful to have that third party sort of sitting outside, and just, just asking questions about the finances and about, like you say, and actually making time to think about well what next you know what is the planning I think you know we're all busy people and I think often things like that can sit on the to-do list for a while as something that you will do when you get time to and I think we know that unless someone kind of forces you to have time um, then then time can drift can't it so exactly no you're absolutely right that was really really interesting you you actually touched on managing relationships with third parties so who would they be expected to work with as part of their everyday role yeah of course I mean a big part of this role is getting involved in you know assessing managing and minimizing risk for the business so that will involve working closely with third parties however realistically the business owner is just one person and they have a lot of relationships to juggle Now, some of these, you know, they'll be imperative for them to focus on. I'm not saying that they should abdicate all responsibility for working with third parties. You know, you know, I'm talking here about um, the customer relationship, really. You know, a lot a lot of those relationships rely on the business owner, you know, from trust, the time they've been working with them or whatever it is. And, you know, those ones can't necessarily be dealt with by a financial director but some of the key ones you actually mentioned so the bookkeepers some of the staff members within the finance department or key to the finance functions the accountant hmrc legal advisor etc these are the sort of relationships a finance director can have um, they're more likely to take more of the business owner's time than it would be for a finance director say um, because they often speak each other's languages um which does help move things on a bit quicker um you know there's less misinterpretation miscommunication confusion etc i mean i'm not saying that the finance direct and the sorry the business owner shouldn't be involved in these conversations but i think having a finance director sort of pave the way being a bit of an interpreter is a really useful part of this um i mean probably not the legal side of things um from the uh, from a finance director's point of view but obviously i'd say certain relationships about having someone else in your corner to help you understand and interpret a situation who knows your business operationally inside out i just don't think that's a bad thing and i think in top on top of that there isn't any 
um, relationship, a finance director couldn't get involved in nurturing, for example. So we've seen some fantastic results with actually working directly with a, a business's supplier. So, you know, we got involved in negotiating better payment terms and the deposits percentages, especially when you have to pay in advance or if there's a long lead time um, for you to get your supplies. Um, we've been involved in um, working with them about bulk ordering allowances or even just introduction to other suppliers that can improve if your efficiencies, your buying power, etc. So these sort of conversations, like you said, Emma, are just ones that a business owner just never finds the time or the courage perhaps to have you know you often find a supplier you end up realizing you're just working them for two or three years and you've never really spoken to them about what else they could do for you you know how else they could um, aid your business and actually having these conversations is actually pivotal in improving that relationship that the company has with others it can boost your stature within industry it helps spread the word it's a company you want to work with and supply for so that's just one example of where a business owner is probably focusing on driving sales potentially to the business actually working with your suppliers um you know is a different route to take if you like but that's one of those third party relationships which having a finance director on your side and the time that they have to devote to something like that can actually be a bit of a game changer um, in some cases for your business. Brilliant. See, I knew that I knew you were the best person to ask. <laughs> I, I think all of that's really interesting. So you've given us a really good idea of what a finance director does um, and how all the roles fit together kind of in a finance department within a business. Um, the next I think the next concern for a lot of businesses is what well, a finance director sounds expensive you know how affordable is it actually yeah I think I slightly joke here Emma but it's it's one of those ones can you afford not to have one I mean by that I mean really think about what what you want to do with your business like where do you want it to go what are your goals and aspirations? What's your long-term strategy? So if any of this involves growth, if it involves running a successful business for the long term, I, I'm talking here more than like a year or two, you know, if this involves selling it to fund your retirement, then I think the question is, will you be able to drive all of that yourself? So I often recommend with clients sitting down and thinking about all the things that they do, because I've yet to find a business owner, and I'm sure you can agree, Emma, who doesn't tell me they work too many hours. Um, you know, they, 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 they many things always end up coming back, landing on their plate. They don't find the time to do the things that they need to do. They're often stressed, overwhelmed. I'm not trying to put a dampener on it, but these are common things that come up. They don't, they want to work on their business and its strategy, and they don't, you know, they don't find the time. Um so, yeah, I think having a finance director can fast track that or at least support you in making these big decision processes. And if you're one man band, so you don't have a business partner, for example, then usually the buck stops with you. Um, you won't often have anyone to bounce ideas off, but also someone that will have your back in making a decision or giving you a heads up if, you know, you aren't perhaps making the best decision for the business. So don't get me wrong. Lots of people have certain advisors, friends, family, the local landlord. Um, just having someone who really knows the business as well as you do can take the strain off you with some of that operational, strategic, financial sort of thing. And I think that's be something you should think about having on board. But also, Emma, you don't need to have them full time. In fact, having a part-time finance director or even one that is provided via a, like a consultancy service means it can be accessed more on your terms, usually over a longer period of time. It's better um, cost than employing someone. 
You don't have to find that person work to fill the quiet times or wonder if they'll still need to be working full time or year and so when, you know, hopefully they've turned your finance department to a slick and efficient part of your business. But like I've said before, the main job on FD is to support and oversee your future business decisions. OK, so once they've come in and done that uphill work of getting your finance department where it needs to be um, in order to give you the information you need to make your decisions, you can then dip into that personalizer when you need it, monthly, quarterly, or even when something big comes up, if you want to launch a new product, if you know something happens, you want to, you know, retire or bring someone on board, then that's when you can have, you know, bring someone on in that basis. You don't need someone full-time and part-time actually is probably more beneficial, you know, when your business gets to the mature stage of its cycle and it's ticking over nicely from month to month. You're not going to need this advisor as much, but actually having someone to jump back on board quickly that knows your business, that allows you to have a flexibility of the expert without that drain on your resources. Oh, absolutely. I think, I mean, you're, you you said some really interesting points there. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. Most of the businesses um, we work with, that when we start working with them, you know, typically the goal is to have like, be able to have a week off uninterrupted or, or without, you know, kind of without a fire that they've got to try and put out <laughs> remotely from, from overseas at different times um, or maybe even just a long weekend. But I think that's like... It can one be quite lonely being a business owner, can't it? I think that's quite mm. common. And also finding the time just to have a bit of time for yourself. So um, it definitely is something that would support that. And I think most businesses know that they need help with the finances. I think what typically happens is they'll recruit kind of a finance person at a decent salary and then they end up doing a lot of, as you say, the basic inputting um, mm. or chasing money and, you know, credit control and things like that and don't actually ever get to the point where they can do sometimes even management accounts regularly, yeah. you know, so you're not, um, let alone forecasting or looking at your costing and negotiating stuff. Um, so you, you're right. Yeah. One of the first things we do for clients, isn't it, is we would look at our scoping document where we would do a bit of investigation about how each of the processes are working, look at what can be automated to free up resource internally, and then also look to fill the gap, you know, quite often the end gap um, of that sort of slightly higher skill set for people. So um, yeah. we've, done that, we've done that quite a lot, haven't we, over the last 10 years for people. So um it is it definitely doesn't need to be a full time member of staff because um you know unless you're a multi million pound business businesses can only deal with so much change at a time and mm -hmm. so you know that there's obviously also a lot of the day to day to be getting on with so you're you're absolutely right there so you know what what do you think would be you know what are your top considerations to a business owner about whether deciding whether to kind of investigate um, if there'd be a true benefit to them from having an FD? Yeah, I mean, I think I've touched on most of that, really. Like I said before, like, think about what you want to do in your business and where you want to go and what sort of things that, you know, really you don't want to do. Like, I know that sounds maybe a bit, you know, silly, but, you know, there's a lot of things as a business owner you're not going to want to do and maybe aren't your strengths, you know, in it, if that is dealing with the day-to-day -day financial control, or if that is dealing with your financial performance management, you know, think about the sort of things you don't want to do, but you do need. So I think, think about those sort of things, like what sort of conversations are you having with yourself or trying to interpret yourself, um, you know, and, and can someone take that 
load off you, for example, you know, doing cash flow forecasts, doing scenario planning, for example, you know, they're often vital to making a decision. You know, if you had to sit down and learn this stuff, you know, as a business owner, how many hours would it take of your time? How many hours would it take away from your business? And think, you know, if I just invested in a finance director part-time on a consultancy basis, there's already done this stuff million times over, knows what they're talking about. I can then just look at the information they give me and say, yep, I want to do that. No, I don't want to do this. So I think there's essentially there's no hard and fast rule about sort of like what size your business needs to be in order to get a value from a finance director. Because, you know, for example, I mean, your business could be in its infancy um, without even having turned over a penny yet. But actually having someone on board to like review those accounting functions, assess your capital risks or aid in fundraising. Well, this could actually be a valuable resource. So obviously, you know, we hear a lot, you know, business owners aren't big enough to warrant a financial director. The figures look after themselves. We, I've got an accountant and a bookkeeper already, you know. But in our experience, we know that businesses are looking to grow and thrive. Um, and having a finance director can actually be that pivotal shift towards its success and bring that value if the responsibilities of that person are properly identified. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I think it's, it's basically about being ahead of what's happening, isn't it? Rather than playing catch up, I think sometimes, because a lot, a lot of the companies we work with, you know, they can grow quite considerably just by being exceptionally good at what they do and managing really great relationships with their customers. But often you know if you're not expecting the growth or you've not even considered it you can sometimes play catch up and we know you know getting staff on board and getting them up to speed with the way your business does stuff um, and the way you want them to present themselves to your customers or whatever whatever it is you know can can take a while actually and can quite often be the factor that holds people back but actually if you're constantly looking at you know your capacity and your forecasting of staff and actually how much work can your you know staff base cope with you've always got one eye on you know what recruitment you need to do in advance haven't you and that's just one example really so I completely agree but actually you know to kind of round up have you got any final sort of practical tips for our listeners on how, how they go about getting a finance director like where do they find them how do they onboard them and what hurdles to watch out for yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question, Emma. And you can tell I'm quite passionate about this subject. So in terms of starting with onboarding them, like I mentioned before, I would start I would start at the basics. Start looking at your finance team and your finance department. One of the big things that we talk about is sitting down and automating your finance procedures. Um, like um, Emma, you spoke on the um uh, on the cloud stuff that we you know we did, automating the processes, speeding things up, making your what your staff do in you know in a better more efficient a quicker way um i think that's definitely a place to start you know a finance director will look at the you know the, the finance department systems even if it involves you need to recruit something in your area you know you need to recruit a finance assistant you need to recruit a data input or whatever that sort of thing they could get involved in that for you um, so yeah so look at automating get your accounting software right start getting some structure around your management accounts if you do you know you do have that um in terms of finding one um you know that's maybe easier said than done definitely look into you know having a part-time version 
you know, so look at something like our virtual finance director breakthrough advisory service that we've got. It's almost where you want to be starting. Having someone to sit down, look at your accounting records to see where they are, where they need to be improved, put some simple financial controls in place. Like, you know, we've spoken about this on other podcasts, break even points, 30 day cash flow forecasts, etc. It's a good place to start. And then you can build on that. You know, make sure you've got the right account software. I know you've spoken um, about that before, Emma, ones that manage your business. Um, you know, finance functions can be automated, allowing your staff to spend time on the more important jobs like, you know, the weekly sales analysis or the forecasts or whatever it is. I think the finance director can just take you on that journey to designing your ideal management accounts, how to interpret them, put some KPIs in place and then sit back and start doing the strategizing. And that doesn't need to be on a full time basis. You know, start small, manageable goals, have them part-time or on a consultancy basis use them as you see fit and when you need it and I think that then this is an affordable way for small and medium businesses to have that key strategy and and drive for their business having those you know conversations like you know how much is your business worth you know what do you need to retire on I don't know what Obviously, all our listeners are going to have different, you know, things that they want for their business. Um, But these sort of conversations can happen. And having them happen now at an early stage can ensure that when you start making your decisions for your business, you're making the right ones. Like Malcolm mentioned on our last podcast, um, he said, um, you know, what is going to be the best return on your investment now? You know, so you're going to always have more, more than one decision to make right now which one is going to give you the biggest return on your investment right now for your business based on your goals and I think having someone as well to steer you through that and remind you and say hang on a minute why are you why are you choosing to do xyz because you haven't got abc in order in order for you to do that and you know to sit back and analyze that with you yeah absolutely yeah. I mean I, yeah I think for, for me it's always about you know picking the most important thing thing first isn't yeah. it it's like not trying to don't try and do too much at once it's almost assessing what you've got but also maybe asking yourself you know what is it that you want out of running the business I think you know what are your longer term aims what are your shorter term aims and then a, a lot of what we look at, at the breakthrough program isn't it is focused on profitability first so we look at kind of sales processes uh, like all the way from taking the first call to the credit control and the terms and conditions just to make sure that you know the cash inflow and the profitability from that is kind of reviewed as the most important thing because obviously like you know more 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 profitability does just just help the business overall and then we work at things don't we we look at cash flow and things so we we tend to draw up a plan in terms of what's important but um one of the things that is really popular is that scoping document I mentioned where we just kind of set out the objectives and a bit of a plan and a timeline for how to achieve things but you're absolutely right I'm very passionate about automation like you're not going to have a motivated member of staff if they came in to do a financial controller or an FD role and they're sitting plugging in purchase invoices mm-hmm. um, you know they're likely to be a bit bored they're likely to leave you know it's, it is also about making sure people are motivated and incentivized to help the business, isn't it? And I think getting the right people doing the right jobs is really key to that. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, have you have you finished taking over my uh, podcast today, then Emma? Yes, <laughs> yes, sorry. <laughs> well, I, I thought as you've worked on it for a lot of clients, and it makes a change me getting to um, quiz you. So uh, yes, you can have your podcast back now, Charlotte. <laughs> Thank you. No, I've actually really enjoyed it. As you can tell, I you know obviously love this area so sorry if I went on a bit guys but yeah thank you so much um for joining us today Emma and I've I've really enjoyed actually you taking over I have to do it again sometime <laughs> don't tempt me all right well thanks <laughs> so much for having me Charlotte I've really enjoyed it too thank you thank you so next week we'll be kicking off with our second series the 12 vital ingredients to a successful business and we'll be taking two key elements at a time and breaking them down in more detail for you so if you've been following us for a while you will know we covered these in our friday night emails last year therefore we're just intending to build upon what we shared then so if you have any questions on these or any other topic please email them over to inquiries at a4g-llp.co.uk and in the meantime, head to our social media, A4G Chartered Accountants, where we're providing a lot more guidance on the areas discussed today and many others. Alternatively, check out our website at www.a4g-nlp.co.uk, which is full of free tools, guidance and plenty of food for thought to help your business. I'm Charlotte and this is Let's Get Down to Business. To business. To business. To business.